Welcome to the Mount Pisgah Student Life Podcast, where we will talk about all that God is doing right here in our ministry. Um, I am a very weepy person. Like, I cry a lot. So this isn't saying much, but that was beautiful, and I was crying a lot. So, um, excited that you guys are here this weekend. Um, raise your hand if this is your first retreat ever. Okay, yes. Raise your hand if this is your first, like, student life retreat. Okay, so even more. Okay, great. Um, I Before we dive into everything that we are going to be talking about this weekend, um, I just want to give you a little bit of wisdom about what retreats are about. So the reason that we came all the way here and closer to the Lord and growing closer to the people around you. A few things that it is not. It is not time to put on a show for anybody else. It's not time to gossip. Um, I'm a girly pop, and when girly pops get together, sometimes we like to talk bad about the people that aren't in the room, and that is not what we're going to do this weekend. Um, When we were in, what is the state? Louisiana. I never, for the life of me, cannot remember where we ever go on any of these trips, but, oh, oh, can you do that again? That light that just turned off in the back of my head, I'm like, okay. Um, When we were in, it got worse, there we go. I like this light. Okay, you just, yeah. Um, When we were on our middle school mission trip, we we spent so much time in our buses, right? Like an extraordinary amount of time in our buses. And um, what did we say about the bus, about not talking about people? Yes, if they're not on the bus, you can't talk. If they're not on the bus, you can't talk about them. So we are going to do that same rule here. If somebody is not in the room, somebody is not in your conversation, you can't talk about them. Sound good? So if somebody is, if, thank you. So if somebody is talking bad about somebody, you can just say, hey, they're not on the bus. And then you have to make them stop. Okay, sounds good. It's a nice, easy way. Um, if you're wearing a house shirt, will you stand up?
Lord, that you would give us peace in the moment. God, that all of our excitement and attention would be on you. Lord, would we be able to leave what is at home at home as it relates to food? Focus on you and what you have for us today. Lord, I ask that anything I say comes from your heart. Lord, that you would speak your word through us today. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Are you ready? All right. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in John 6, 35, pretty much the whole weekend. Um, and if not, the verse is going to be on the screen behind me. But John 6, 35. said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Has anybody heard this before, that Jesus is the bread of life? So that is what we are going to be talking about all weekend. We're going to spend the whole weekend um, unpacking this scripture and the scriptures surrounding it um, to learn about what it, what it means that Jesus is the bread of life. Um, have you ever heard somebody say that you're just too hungry for God? Maybe? Okay. Um, if somebody were to say you're too hungry for God, what does that mean? You can give me an actual answer. You can just shout it out. Not thirsty. Not thirsty. Cheers. What else? What does it mean to be hungry for God? Yeah. You want more information. You're eager. Yeah, you need him. Exactly. So when you are hungry for regular food, it's uncomfortable. There's a little pain in your stomach, and you are like, ooh, I need a snack right meal right now. I need a meal. Um, and we feel this deep hunger, and then what do you do? You eat, and then you feel better, right? If you ate something good. Um, and so the same is true for God. The Lord asks us to be hungry for him, which just means that we need him, that we want him, and that we desire to spend time with him. And for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, our relationship with God is out of duty or obligation. Your parents drive you to church. Maybe they even drove you out into the street, and you were like, sure, I'll go to that if my mom is taking me. Um, and it's, it is all out of obligation because your parents have an expectation, or maybe this is where your friends are, so you're like, oh, I'll just go because my friends are going. And that is fair. I think we all have gone to church for those reasons at some point or another. But the Lord is asking us to be hungry want and desire a relationship with him and want and desire to spend time with him. Being hungry is having a strong desire, craving, a strong desire or craving for fulfillment. I think if we were honest, most of us don't think that's what we talk about. I don't think that a lot of us have a strong desire or craving for the fulfillment that he gives. And so that is where we're going to go this weekend. We are going to talk about do we actually become hungry for God? Because it's a choice, and we have to choose this lifestyle of chasing after God and loving and desiring that time with him. So we are going to look at Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Matthew 5. Okay, so this is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. You guys have probably heard this before, or the Beatitudes. Um, this is kind of a common verse, so we're actually going to read it in two different translations just so we can get a good understanding of what's happening here. So, Matthew 5, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through 12. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, I'm going to read it for you one more translation. What joy comes to you when you feel spiritual poverty, for theirs is the realm of heaven. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you are looking for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness overtakes you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will kill the child. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open and see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make friends, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of the afflicted who afflict you on this earth, for that is when you will find blessing. The word of the Lord. So, there's two things happening here. Jesus is talking about a lot of negative emotions. He's talking about spiritual poverty, mourning, waiting on the Lord. None of those things sound ideal, right? And Jesus is taking each one of those emotions and hard situations and waiting and pain and mourning, and he is replacing them with delight and blessing and righteousness and fruitfulness and mercy. Only God can do that. There is nowhere else where you can exchange your pain and your hurt and your waiting for joy and happiness. And this is all available to you in God, and that is what the hunger is all about. So the reason that we are meant to be hungry for God is so that we show up at the feet of Jesus and we present whatever it is that we have, whether it is the pain you're feeling, whether whether it is rejection that you're feeling at school, whatever it is, the Lord is asking you to bring that to him so that he can replace it with really, really good things. And this is how we have fruit in our lives. Later on in the passage, the next set of the verses, verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So you guys might've heard this verse before, but it's about there is a light in you that is meant to shine to the others around you. And when you are hungry for God and you go to God with your pain and your hurt, and even with good things, and you give them up to the Lord and he exchanges them for this delight and this blessing, that is what shines to the people around you. That is how people know that your life is different. You've probably heard people say the phrase, you want people to know that you love God based on your actions. That comes from this kind of hunger, from chasing after God and presenting yourself to him. And that is what produces real fruit in your life. So God asks you to hunger for him so that you draw near to him. And there he gives you all the fruits of the spirit that we're talking about this morning. And those fruits are visible to the the world around you, to your peers, to your friends. Verse 6 says, how enriched you are when you crave righteousness. We spend a lot of time craving a lot of things. We don't spend nearly enough time craving righteousness, craving purity, craving a relationship with the Lord. And so this weekend, we are going to take intentional space to crave the Lord, to want and desire time in a relationship with him. And there maybe are a million things swirling in your mind and reasons why you crave that. And we are going to talk about that and move on to talk about gratitude in a minute. But I want you to know that Jesus wants you to crave him. This hunger that we're talking about having towards God, this desire, this strong craving, he feels that about meeting with you. He wants so desperately to know you, to be close to you, and to have this relationship with you. And so, as Anna shared in the verse earlier, come to meet with God and he will meet with you. He's so ready. He 
excited and thrilled by the opportunity to see your face again. And we don't always get to feel that way. We don't always get to feel that our peers always want to talk to us or that they're excited about what we have to say. But the Lord is full of life and we get to be seen. And so I just challenge you as you move throughout this weekend, as you move through small groups, as you move on in your life, to ask God for those opportunities. It doesn't always come naturally. That's true. It is, it is a process to learn how we want to be seen. But when we get through our small groups tonight, I want you guys to pray and ask the Lord for genuine opportunities to start to build that desire to want to see him again. And then this weekend, we're going to talk about how to actually do that and really how you can find God in those opportunities. Let's pray. you feel better, the vast majority of you didn't have your hands up, which is completely fair, and I think that's really normal, and I just wanted to thank you for being honest about that. Um, so if we can all agree that for the most part, our natural tendency is maybe to not necessarily be hungry for God, then I want to ask you the question, what are you full of? What's on the back of your shirt? And that's kind of going to be the question that we're going to unpack this morning. What are you when your mom is making dinner and you're starving and you're like, mom, I just need a snack right now. I know dinner's just ready in 30 minutes. Can I please just have something right now? And she's like, no, because then you're going to be full for dinner. If you fill up on snacks and junk food and things like that, you're not hungry when your mom makes dinner, right? Exactly, because you're already full of something. And so if we're not hungry for God, then it oftentimes means that we are filling up on something else. And so we have to figure out what that something else that we're filling up on is and get rid of it so that we can have that hunger for God. Because we all have this deep craving and this need like we talked about yesterday, but we fill it with other things that are only temporary fixes. So a lot of times the things that we fill ourselves with is friends and school and drama and comparison and social media and whatever your thing is that you turn to when you need comfort. Those are the things that we're filling up on. The problem is, is that these things don't offer 
crazy when you say those words. When you're feeling terrible about yourself and you're feeling really insecure and you're like, you know what, no one is ever going to love me. And then the person you have a crush on comes over and is like, oh my gosh, you have a crush on me. You should go crazy today. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay. And then you're feeling all good for the rest of the day and you're like, I am. I'm cool. I'm hot stuff. And then you get home and you're alone or that person changes their mind and now they have a crush on your best friend. Oh, I know. It's devastating, right? It literally crushes you because when you were feeling that insecurity and you got to put it on that other person and be like, ooh, they say I'm cool, so that works. But then if they stop saying you're cool or they stop liking you, then that comfort falls away. Or if you place your validation in school or sports and you are betting everything on you being the star that wins the game and then you fall and break your leg and you can't play for the rest of the season, what do you do? You're hurt and you're crushed and you don't know where to get your validation from anymore. And I think we spend a lot of our time like this. For me, I think the biggest one for me is asking advice. So when I have a problem or something I need in my life, I will go talk to all of my friends about it and I'll be like, okay, so what do you guys think I should do? I'll look it up on Google, Google everything. And I'm like, oh, Google will have an answer for this. And I fill up enough resources and enough information from all these outside places to be content. And I'm like, great, I have the solution to my problem. But the real problem is that once I was full of everybody else's information, I didn't need to ask God. And so a lot of times we even define our own identity by what everybody around says about us. And we fill up on that rather than letting the Lord say anything about our identity. What is really harmful about these things is that they will always fall short. These temporary fixes, this junk food that we're filling up on, at best, it is a quick fix that will fail soon. But at worst, it can be really harmful. And so when we fill up on all of these other sin and temptation in comparison, then our heart is left aching and we're back to that hungry place again. But like we read in the passage yesterday, when we take those needs and desires to Jesus, he replaces them with all those words we read yesterday. He replaces them with delight and peace and patience and fills your life with all of the fruits of the spirit and you get to live this abundant life. But that only happens when we start to feed on Jesus, when we start to go to him when we're hungry and when we're empty. And so we're going to read a little bit more of the passage from yesterday. So we're going to start in John 6, where we were yesterday, but I want to start a little bit earlier at the beginning of this passage, verse 22. So John 6, 22. could not enter the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats came near the place where they had where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent me. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do? What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them the bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This is our key verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and all who come to me I will never cast out. 
for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, that was a lot going on right there. So, these people come to Jesus, and basically they want to see more things, and they are asking him, okay, how do we do God's work? How do we do all these things? And Jesus basically says, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill. And so they are coming to Jesus and filling up on the wrong things. They weren't, but it says in here, they, they didn't believe in Jesus. He's like, I'm right here, and you saw all that I did, and you still don't believe. And so they are coming to him, but with, they're already full. So they've already met all of these expectations and standards in their head. And so they don't have any empty space to believe in who God is. And Jesus says, they ask for the bread and he says, I am the bread of life. So it's not necessarily even about the miracles that I perform or the things that you've seen me do, it's me. And so yes, Jesus fed the 5,000 and they got to eat that one meal. But what Jesus is offering here is eternal. And so he's saying that if you believe in me, if you choose to hunger for me, I will never let you out of the oven. I will never walk away. I will never leave you. And that will always be your fill. And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And that is where we're supposed to take all of our needs and all of our expectations and we let the Lord fill those places. And he says that if you do that, you will never run dry. Doesn't mean that your life is gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna have a need again, or it doesn't even mean that he's gonna meet the need in the way that you want or ask for. But what it does mean is that every time you show up at the feet of Jesus, he will meet your need and he will give you exactly what you need, even if it's not what you think. So when they see him in verse 36, they can't recognize that it's him because they're full of all these other things. And I think we spend a lot of our times, not a lot of our lives, not being able to recognize God because we're full of a bunch of other things. And so we have to clear it out. If you are full of something, if you're full of food or whatever it is, you're not ready for another meal until you burn it off or you poop it out. So we have to get out the junk. We have to get out whatever we're filling up on and remove that from our hearts to make space to fill up on God. And these temporary fixes, going to your friends or gossiping or buying a bunch of new clothes or giving it all in your sports or academics, all of those things are always going to fall short. And so we have to remove them out of our, out of our hearts, but also out of our daily life. Not that you need to quit school and quit your sports, but there's a step in between, and the step in between is going to God and saying, okay, God, how can my team honor you? How can I honor you in the way that I talk about my friends? But we can't do any of that until we clear all of that junk out. If all of these things are your school, your sports, your social media, if it's not providing you the things that we read earlier in Matthew, the peace and the joy, if it's not providing you those things, then you're not filling you up for the Lord. Because every time that the Lord is filling us up, it comes with peace, it comes with joy, it comes with delight in our lives. And so the band is gonna come back up and they are gonna play a little song, but I'm gonna lead you guys through a guided prayer. So if you kinda want to spread out, maybe give yourselves a little bit of space, don't leave this room, but if you just kinda wanna like spread out just a little bit so you have kind of room to write, um, if you've never done a guided prayer like this before, I'm just gonna ask you some questions, but I want you to ask the Lord. So I'll ask a question and leave kind of a long pause. Just listen. The Lord is really excited to talk to you and to hear you. And so we spend a lot of our prayer life talking at God and telling him all the things that we need and everything that's happening in our lives. And a lot of that is great, but the Lord has so much to say. And it is not a relationship if you're the only one talking. We've got to hear what the Lord has to say about us. 
So as I ask these questions, just give yourself space. Just think. Don't try to fill in the answer. Um, if you hear anything condemning or anything that doesn't line up with scripture, let us all write. Let's just do that. You can write stuff down, but you don't have to. Take time to just think. So, Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would flood this room. Holy Spirit, that you would be so present that we could feel you. God, we thank you for drawing near to us. We know that you're near. God, we want to hunger for you. We want to want you and want to desire you. God, when we wake up, we want that to be our first thought where our heart is directed. But we fill up oftentimes on cheap, fast-paced, you reveal what is the thing that I'm filling up on right now? Where am I finding my comfort? Where am I finding my peace? Lord, we give you this morning. 
give you the space to say what you need to. We give you the space to move in our hearts. God, would you just continue to remove the junk so that we can make space for it? You as the space. the way that you have all weekend. It has been very cool to watch the way that you guys interact with the Lord and worship. And so I just wanted to say thank you guys. Um, Let's pray to get started. Holy Spirit, we thank you for showing up for worship. We thank you for being present in this room. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would completely speak different things that we fill ourselves up on, the things other than the Lord. And when we're filling up on all of these other things, it doesn't give us an opportunity to be hungry for God. And so we have all of this space that's filled up by all these other things, and that doesn't give us enough space to be hungry and excited and crave the Lord and crave time with the Lord. So this morning, we took time to make that room, to make space for what the Lord is doing. And so now, tonight, we're going to talk about how do we actually fill that space with the Lord? How do we actually be hungry for God and do something about it? So we're still going to be in John 6. So if you want to open back up to John 6, we are going to go to verse 47. John 6, 47. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, there's two things being offered in this passage. We are offered abundant life now and eternal life going forward. And so a lot of people accept salvation or accept the Lord and think that that's all that it's about. Okay, I've received eternal life. I get to go to heaven. Great. What the Lord is promising right now or offering with this concept of him being the bread of life is for right now. It is for every single day in between now and eternal life. And so we're given these two, these two gifts, eternal life in the future and an abundant life now. And so on Friday night, last night, we talked about all those different things in Matthew, the peace and the faithfulness that comes with being in a life with Jesus. And that is the abundant life that we're talking about. So how do we get this abundant life? I'm sure you have heard people talk about it. You've read about it in scripture and you're like, that sounds great. I would love that. But how do I actually get that? The way that we get this is through daily bread. Jesus says, in there's a prayers in, in scripture that say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God is not giving you a weekly subscription to himself. He's not giving you a month box of goodness from him. It is daily bread. And we too often try to make it a weekly thing. So we go to church on Wednesday nights and we get our fill there and we're like, great, that was awesome. I'm good until next Wednesday. Or we go to church on Christmas and Easter or big retreats like this, and we're like, yeah, that'll work. That's good. But that is not actually how the Lord operates. He gives you enough for today so that you'll come back tomorrow for his goodness tomorrow. And so it's all about this daily bread. What this does 
is it forces you to be dependent on God. If you could go once a week and just get your fill on Wednesday, then you're the one who's in control of yourself on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But what he asks is that we be dependent on him every single day. I have unfortunately, well, fortunately, but unfortunately at the same time, lived a life of dependency for so much of my life. I have had a lot of health issues, and when I was in eighth grade, I messed up my hip, and I had to have big hip surgery. And I was in a wheelchair for 15 weeks, which is a super long time, especially as a freshman, although that's not bad. Um, And I couldn't do anything on my own. I couldn't get dressed. I couldn't walk up and down the stairs. I couldn't go get food for myself. Any of the things that I had been used to doing for myself, all of that was taken off the table, and somebody else had to get everything for me. And I just had to lay there and let people help me. And I hated it at first because I was super used to taking care of everybody around me. And I was used to being the person that could provide for them. And so all of a sudden, when I couldn't provide anything, well, then what was I worth? If I can't take care of myself, if I can't be independent, what's the point? And that was really when the Lord taught me for the first time what daily bread looks like. I had to wake up every single day and ask the Lord for his patience, for his goodness, for me to be able to rely on the people around me and rely on the Lord. I ended up having two more hip surgeries, so I learned that lesson again and again, over and over again. And right now I am in a season where my health is also not awesome. And I've spent a lot of this weekend not feeling good. And it has required me to be so incredibly dependent on the Lord every single hour. Right now, to me, the concept of daily bread doesn't even seem like enough. I'm like hourly bread. Every hour, I need the Lord to be present and to be with me. And dependency is a bad word in our world right now. It stinks to have to be dependent on somebody else. And we want to be so independent and we want to be able to take care of ourselves. That is the worldly view of dependency. In the kingdom of heaven, dependency is the key to freedom. The key to peace and goodness and all of the things that we've been singing and worshiping about all weekend. The key to all of that is dependency. It is to every single day show up at the feet of Jesus and ask him to be with you. The whole reason that we do any of these retreats, the reason that I talk, the reason that we lead worship is to help usher you to the feet of Jesus. I have nothing to offer you. The worship team has nothing to offer you. The only thing that we have is to create a pathway to get you closer to the Lord. And so that is our goal tonight. That was our goal this morning. That will be our goal tomorrow morning. It's just to continue to bring you closer to Jesus, to give you that opportunity. So that dependency is how we get that freedom, how we get that abundant life right now. It's relying on the Lord every hour and every day. So we're going to read a little bit farther along, verse 52. It says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because he had just, in the verse before, if you remember, he said, And the bread that I will give you for the life of this world is my flesh. That would be very confusing if Jesus was like, I'm going to give you a snack, and it's my body. That would be terrifying, okay? So the Jews disputed that, which makes sense. Um, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue. So it says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Consuming this daily bread, which is reading scripture, meeting with the Lord, all of these things are consuming and being with the Lord. That is how we abide in him and he will abide in us. And that's how that relationship, that dependency forms and grows. But there is this other promise here that whoever receives this 
will live forever. Which, if you've never heard that before or never heard it in this context, that can be kind of confusing. That is the Lord offering eternal life, abiding with God, relying on him, and then receiving him as your savior. Verse 51 specifically says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So what he's saying here, the bread that I will give is the, the bread that I will give the world is my flesh. So the night before Jesus died, he had the last supper and he took the disciples up into the upper room and he, they didn't know exactly what was about to happen. And so he has this bread and this wine and he says, every time you eat, take this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. And then the next day he gave his life as a sacrifice for all of our sins so that we could be in a relationship with God. He took the ultimate sacrifice to open up a pathway for you to be in relationship with him, for you to be able to rely and be dependent on God, for you to have that abundant life now and the eternal life going forward. And so communion is a symbol of that. That's what they're talking about here drinking the blood and eating the bread is a symbol of the sacrifice that the Lord has made for you to be able to be in this relationship with you. And so tonight we are going to take communion and um, our singers would love to get up and stand up here. Um, but there's two parts to this, this invitation tonight. The first piece of the invitation is salvation. If you have not started walking with the Lord before or you don't know what that looks like, tonight is an opportunity to accept that for the first time. Maybe you've heard it a million times that Jesus died for you and it's never meant anything. But maybe tonight or this weekend it started to mean something and you want to choose to live your life based on the bread of life, all that God has for you. So maybe tonight is the night that you start to walk into that. And then you get to take communion as a celebration, as a remembrance, as a symbol of that. So communion isn't salvation. This won't change anything by taking communion. It's not an act of salvation, but it is a proclamation. It is a remembrance and it's a celebration of that difference. The other invitation tonight is to start to receive the Lord as your daily bread. A lot of us have accepted God. Maybe it was a while ago, maybe it was on a stream or an epic retreat. And we accepted it, but we didn't do anything with it. And so now the second invitation is to start to live your life with that daily bread. And maybe you've been walking with the Lord for years. And you've just come into a season where you're not dependent on him. Where you have chosen yourself. Where you have decided, I can handle this on my own. And so maybe the invitation for you tonight is to come back into a dependent relationship with the Lord. Where you are continually relying on him day in and day out. So the worship team is going to come back up and play some worship music. You are welcome to spread out amongst this space and you can receive communion whenever you would like. And if you don't want to receive it, that's okay too. It is, it is an open invitation. So take it in remembrance of all that the Lord has done for you and receive this as a physical act of letting yourselves be filled up by the Lord. We made that room this morning. And so tonight, I ask that you would expect the Lord to fill you up, that you would become dependent again if you've forgotten what that looks like. And take this communion as a symbol for all that he has given you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Tonight is an opportunity to abide in God and to let him abide in you. like. Um, the adult leaders are kind of going to be spread out among the back and on the side to pray for you. If you have any questions about anything spoken tonight, if you need prayer, if you are ready to accept the Lord and you want to pray over that, we would love to do that with you. If you need help being hungry for God, if you want prayer for that, we're here for you. And if you want to come back into that dependency state where you are relying on the Lord every day, every hour, we want to pray over that as well. So our adult leaders will be in the back and our interns will kind of spread out after communion. But I'm going to pray for us and then we will head into worship.
Holy Spirit, we give you all authority tonight. Holy Spirit, you are present in this room, and we ask that you would just continue to move. Lord, would you soften our hearts to you? God, would we draw so close to you, knowing that you have drawn close to us tonight? Lord, we thank you for the invitation of eternal life. We thank you for the invitation that you will abide with us. God, we just ask that wherever we are tonight, we could be honest. We could be honest with ourselves and with you about where we are in relationship with you. Lord, being dependent on you is scary. It's terrifying because we're not in control anymore. But Lord, it is the best thing. And dependency is the key to freedom and is the key to that abundant life. So Lord, would you call us into dependency tonight? Would you remind us how safe it is, that it's actually not scary, that it is the safest place we could be to be dependent on you? Father, you are our daily bread. We need you so desperately. So Father, would you come and would you move in this space tonight? basically meant to answer the question, how do I take this home? You got to spend all weekend here with all of your friends and in a place that our whole focus all weekend was to spend time with God, to get to grow closer to each other and to grow closer to the Lord. That is not always the case when you're home. There are a million other distractions and a million other things on your mind. You have school, you have sports, you have family, all of the things. And so today we want to about how do we get to still be hungry for God in all of those different life circumstances? Because it's a lot easier to do it here when you're surrounded by 88 other people who are having the same goal. But when you go back to school, you're surrounded by hundreds of people who have the opposite goal. So this morning we're going to talk about how we can still be hungry for God in spite of that relationship that we have at home. So we're going to look at John 6, same as always, but we're going a little bit before, we're going to talk about the story right before Jesus says that he's the bread of life. So we're going to be in 6, verse 16. This is about Jesus walking on water. It says, When evening came, the disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, I personally would never let them row three or four miles for this one. They saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But they said to him, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was to the land to which they were going. So basically there's this giant storm, and they see Jesus walking on water. That would be terrifying. They are scared. But he says, don't worry, it's me. And they were glad and they take him into the boat. So the first thing is that when you get home, it might feel like there is a storm around you. Whether that is what's going on at home or what's happening at school and friends or at practice, whatever it is, there are storms in your life all the time. And some of them last our whole lives. Some of them are never situational and they kind of pop up and then they go away. But storms are inevitable. 
and it might feel like your boat is rocking. Here you might feel so steady and consistent and constant, and then you get home and it feels like everything is just swirling around you. Everything you have to do, everything you have to take care of, and it all feels so overwhelming. And the first thing that Jesus says when he knows that they're frightened is, do not be afraid, it is I. The Lord was present with them, and he said to them, he is just as present as he is here as soon as you get home. When you are at school, he's as present as you are. When you are eating dinner with your family, he's as present as you are. And so my first encouragement to you is that it a lot of times feels like God is way more present on things like this than he is at home. That's not true. He is the exact same God here as he is when you are completely alone by yourself in your room. He will never change, which is huge. And he says, don't be afraid, that's my hand. But then, so that's what Jesus is offering. Your debt, you have to pay. They were glad to take him into the boat. So this is your step, your commitment. This is the hunger that we've been talking about, being glad and excited to invite Jesus into the boat. Because he's always there, but it's up to you to say, I want to invite you into this situation. I want to invite you into the storm that I'm experiencing. That is your commitment. That is the hunger, is being glad to take him into the boat. Sometimes when the storm is really bad, we're just like, oh God, you've got to help me out. I don't have it, so get in here. But you're not really like excited. You're just like, well, this is my last resort. I've tried everything and I have failed. So I'm just going to pass God and just let him in. But it says that they were glad and excited. And that is the hunger, that deep craving for that time with the Lord. And then it says, immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. When you invite Jesus into a situation, he brings with him peace and rest and encouragement. It doesn't mean that the situation you're in is immediately going to be over. It doesn't mean that whatever the hard thing that you were dealing with is just going to disappear. But it does mean that there will be peace and rest and assurance. He will be present with you. And that's huge. In the next chapter of John, in John 7, I'm going to look at verse 37. Let's flip the page. So this is after he has said that he is the bread of life, that he's coming for an eternal life and abundant life. In verse 37, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, the Spirit they're talking about here is the Holy Spirit. And at this point, Jesus had not been crucified yet, so the Holy Spirit hadn't been given to them as a gift. But when Jesus was crucified, he left the physical earth, and they gave the Holy Spirit to us as our closeness to Jesus. So, Jesus cannot physically get in the middle of this storm, right? But that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes with you into all of these situations. It goes with you into school and to church and to work and to sports. And the Holy Spirit is what is close to you. And he fills you with rivers of living water. That's huge. And these rivers of living water are what sustain us. So the daily bread that we've been talking about, a lot of that comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the fullness. He is the peace. He is the joy. He is all of these things that we have been asking for. And so, no, he's not going to sit next to you physically on the school bus, but the Holy Spirit will, and the Holy Spirit will be present with you. So how do we practically take this home? you wake up tomorrow morning, what can you do to actually consume the daily bread? We're going to go back to the model of what happened at, with the boat. So the first one is to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is present with you. So the Lord said, do not be afraid, it is I. So you have to acknowledge that he is there. So maybe you cut out 20 minutes in the morning before you go to school, maybe it's after school, maybe it's before bed, whatever it is. Take 20 minutes. 
Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is with you. Right? And then invite him in. We've been singing the song, Make Room. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Just sit there. Take that 20 minutes. You can sit down with your Bible, your journal, whatever it is. But create a space and a time to be with God. And as you hunger and seek God, the Holy Spirit will provide these rivers of living water for your life. And that is what is going to sustain you. It might not always feel that way. And quiet time is hard. It is hard to sit down and meet with God sometimes because we just get to a point where it feels more like a discipline than something where we actually really get purpose from it. But I promise you, the consistency that comes with this, if you sit down day after day and meet with God, your life will change. There's no way that it won't. If you show up to meet with God every day, he will meet you and your life will be different. And so just making that space. And if you have never done something like that before, if you've never sat down alone with God, very practically what that can look like is sitting down with a Bible and a journal and just listening. Maybe you journal out your feelings that day and just process with God, telling God what you're feeling, what you're going through. Maybe you read back over some of these scriptures that we've talked about this week and you journal what they mean to you. Or maybe you focus on one specific verse and really pray over that and read it over yourself over and over again. Things like that are how we spend time with God. Worship music is an amazing way to spend time with God. Spotify, great thing. Obviously, this is beautiful and amazing. They're not going to show up in your room, thankfully. So get your phone out, turn on Spotify, and play some worship music and just spend time worshiping the Lord. That is how we practically and tangibly consume daily bread, is being with the Spirit and reading Scripture. I gave you this whole thing. There is so much goodness in here, and we forget that sometimes. And so carving out that space to invite the Lord into your boat. When you are at school and something happens and you are super overwhelmed and you're like, I don't know how to go forward. I don't know what to say to this person. I don't know how to not cry in the middle of my class right now. Pause. Acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is present with you. And just receive the peace that he has available to you. So that is what daily bread is all about. That is what living a life full of the Holy Spirit and full of Jesus being the bread of life is all about. The best part about a retreat like this is that every adult that you see in this room is present in your life regularly. And if they haven't been up until this point, that invitation is open. So myself, Tyler, Michelle, we're super available to you guys. Your congregators are really available to you. And a lot of what living a life of actual daily bread includes is wise counsel and asking questions to people around you, like your senior leader, your senior intern, and asking them, okay, she said this, but I have no idea what that actually means. Ask those questions. The people around you are here to support you and help sustain you. This is not meant to be done alone by yourself. A lot of the time with God is going to be you and God, and that is such a precious thing and an honor. We want you to have that. And you have this amazing community, and that's kind of step two of bringing that to your community and sharing it with the people around you. So we want to open that invitation, and if this is your first student life being done, we're here all the time. We have so many things to do. So we want to be with you, and we want to walk this out with you. This is not meant to just be something that we talk about for a weekend, and then we're like, cool, that looks great. Let's never talk about bread again. Um, Thankfully, bread is all around us, and you have been reminded of it. Um, this is meant to be a lifestyle. This hunger and this excitement for God is going to split our life up. And so we want to join on that walk with you. Um, as our worship team comes back up, I'm going to read this scripture over you one last time. If you just want to close your eyes and just receive this. so incredibly thankful for all that you've done this week. 
Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you have made just to be in a relationship with us. Lord, we thank you for the invitation of an eternal life, the invitation of an abundant life. God, we give all that we are to you. God, we want to hunger for you. We want to be excited to spend time with you. But we admit that that's not always our first thought. So God, would you continue to make room in our hearts for you? Would you continue to remove the things that we fill ourselves up on? Would you continue to draw our attention and our affection away from the things of this world and onto you? Lord, when we get home and it feels like the storm is rising all around us, would you draw near? Would you remind us that we don't have to be afraid because you are with us? And then, God, would you just give us the excitement and the joy to invite you into our family, to be present with you? Lord, we thank you that when you show up, you bring with you peace, life, and joy. go home, you would feel just as present here as you are all the time.